Jephthah, the Gileadite, was a mighty man of valor, but he was the son of a video girl. My translation is a little different than yours. Or should I say a TikTok girl? It's 2021. It's all the same anyway. And Gilead begot Jephthah. Gilead's wife bore sons, and when his wife's sons grew up, they drove Jephthah out and said to him, you shall have no inheritance in our father's house, for you are the son of another woman. Then Jephthah fled from his brothers and dwelt in the land of Tob, and worthless men banded together with Jephthah. Do you know there are some people that are worthless? Pastor, that's insensitive. Well, that's what the Bible says. You know what's so weird? It's not you. It's people down the street, the other church. There are people that your circle of friends are all built around the common rejection you've experienced in your life. The only thing that brought us all together is the bitterness of our past. And we're connected based on what we've been through. The problem is that when you get saved, and you're more connected to the hope of your future than the bitterness of your past, it's gonna put you in an awkward position with the people that your only connection is the fact that you all were counted out and you are all overlooked or you are all abused or whatever it may be. And so many people, they find themselves in this juxtaposition of I love God, but I wanna be loyal to the people who have been loyal to me. And if you build all of the relationships in your life based on what you've been through, and then God now says the old doesn't exist anymore, all things have become new, you're going to have some awkward, come on, David, conversations. If it's not you, it's me. I'm different. You ever been in awkward conversations? They, they, they talk about what you used to talk about, and you just don't have any emotional connection with it any longer because that's just it's not who you are anymore. So those worthless men banded together with Jephthah and went raiding with him. Came to pass after a time that the people of Ammon made war in Israel and so it was when the people of Ammon made war against Israel that the elders of Gilead went to Jephthah from the land of Tob. Then they said to Jephthah, come and be our commander that we may fight against the people of Ammon. So first they kick him out and then when it gets hot and heavy, they say, where that, where that rough brother at? Where that one that, that, that likes to, to fight and kill people? Go get him. He can save us. So Jephthah said to the elders of Gilead, did you not hate me and expel me from my father's house? Why have you come now when you are in distress? If you live long enough, you will live long enough to see people who overlooked you now needing you. Here what Jephthah said. He said, okay, I'll come save you if you make me your king. He said, if I win this battle, you got to put me in charge of everything. They said, whatever, because if we lose, there's not going to be anything to be in charge of anyway, so you got it. So Jephthah goes to war, and right before he goes, he prays to God in verse 30, and he made a vow to the Lord and said, if you will indeed deliver. Y'all ever pray to God, if you, I will? Come, come on now, yeah, 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 pray, yeah, pray. God, if you get me out of this, I'm going to be in church every Sunday. 
Come on now. And he got you out. You watch it online. I mean. Someone say, stick to the Bible. Stick to the Bible. He said, Lord, I vow. If you indeed deliver the people of mine into my hands, then it will be that whatever comes out of the doors of my house to meet me, when I return in peace from the people of mine, surely be the Lord's, and I will offer it up as a burnt offering. He said, God, if you save my hide, whatever comes out my front door when I get home to celebrate, I will sack, I will burn it to you. Verse 34, when Jephthah came to the house in Mizpah after the battle, there was his daughter coming out to meet him with timbrels and dancing. She was his only child. Besides her, he had neither son nor daughter, and it came to pass when he saw her that he tore his clothes and said, Alas, my daughter, you have brought me very low. You are among those who troubled me, for I have given my word to the Lord, and I cannot go back on it. Y'all, today I want to preach a message called, There are Leftovers at Home. There's leftovers at home. Father God, we're grateful, we're thankful. We just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you for, for your mercy, for your grace. We don't know where we would be if it had not been your hand on our life. God, we're here today for a God encounter. Speak to us, transform us. Take us one step closer to the destiny that you have for us. In Jesus' name. So we shout amen and amen. We're in week two of a series called Home Alone. Somebody say Home Alone. And the whole idea of this series is to give me an excuse to preach whatever I want to preach. Sometimes we have series that actually have themes, series about peace or about relationships or prayer or whatever. But sometimes I said, make it so ambiguous that I can just preach whatever I want to preach as long as I put a house somewhere in that message. We home alone. And here, here, here's honestly what I'm doing over these few weeks. I'm just walking you through how I prepare for the next year. I, I just feel a burden as Union Church that it's so important that we don't just let one year bleed into the next year, that we're not hustling right up to December 31st and then January 1st comes and we just keep on running. But that we actually pause, breathe, rotate our faith and get ready to hit this new year with a velocity that takes hold of all that God has for us. If you believe it, somebody say amen. amen. Now, you always have those cynics that are like, I don't believe in this new year resolution stuff. And you're just going to make a new plan on January 1st that you're going to forget about by February 1st. And the gym's all packed out. You should have been working out in Christmas anyway. And all this other kind of stuff. But just here's my thought. The Bible says that his mercies are new every morning. If his mercies are new every morning, imagine what they're like at the beginning of a new year. Imagine how much more grace and mercy and faith and favor. I just think God actually pays attention to the calendar. So what I want to do is just kind of get you in the right frame of mind that we're putting a period on 2021 and an exclamation point on 2022. Somebody say amen. 
I don't know about for you, but I think for many people, 2021 has been a year of some amazing victories. So many people, you, you've purchased new homes and new jobs, and you've had your pandemic baby because there was nothing else to do 10 months from now, and God's opened doors, and, and he's restored relationships. There's been amazing things that have happened in 2021. I know for a fact 2021 has been the most mind-blowing year in Union Church history. Come on now. Two churches were merged. Thousands of people have encountered Jesus as their Lord and Savior. 500 people prophetically have been water baptized in this calendar year. This has been a mind-blowing year. So we're like, Pastor, have you lived the same year that I've lived? I have. And when I say what I'm going to say next, you're going to be like, okay, yeah, that sounds like my year. This has been a year of probably the greatest victories I have personally ever experienced in my life. And here's what I've discovered. Every victory came with the biggest battle that I've ever fought in my entire life. 2021 for me, forget 2020. It feels like 10 years ago. This has been the most exhausting, spiritually warfare-filled year I have ever encountered in my life. It feels like I've gone from battle to battle to battle to battle. Now, at the end of it, I've seen victory after victory after victory after victory. But you know, sometimes you're just so exhausted, you can't even celebrate the victory. To make matters worse, I, I didn't really grow up kind of being a Fight or fight. You know, y'all used to throw hands. You were just one of them people that, that nobody used to talk to you no type of way. You, you just, you, you would fight other people's battles. Come on, you, you, you're saved, you're delivered. You've been to Freedom Conference. It's okay. It's okay. We, we just need to know who to look out for. Come on now. Somebody like, Pastor, I don't know if I want to raise my hand or not because I kind of still throw hands. It depends on what happens at Target. Grow up fighting. I, I'm not much of a fighter. I, I, I'm homeschooled, so you, then you, you fight your brother. That's about it. And then my parents are pastors longer than alive. So I, I grew up a little sheltered. I'm not gonna lie to you. I've only been in two fights in my entire life. First fight I've ever been in was Christmas play rehearsal, 1999. <laughs> Joshua Green. It was a pretty short fight. It wasn't a long fight at all. Actually, only one punch was thrown in that fight. And I am not the one who threw that punch. But after I ate all five knuckles, I started to think, blessed are the peacemakers. I mean, I want to inherit the kingdom of God anyway. Fighting is not for me. The second fight I was in, a kid came and rang my doorbell. And my mom had gone out and left us like she normally did. And she could have been arrested by a different story for a different day. And she said, don't open the door. And don't go outside, but this was before ring camera, so she would never know. Kid comes, rings the doorbell, open the door, found it was a neighborhood kid, one of the kids I just didn't really like, had a bunch of worthless friends with him. <laughs> Said, hey, uh, sorry to bother you, just wonder if I could borrow some cheese. Cheese? Doesn't look like Walmart. I don't got no cheese. So you don't have any cheese? Oh. You, you can just scrape it off of your mother's teeth. Well, that's what I said. <laughs> now I had a decision to make. Did I obey mom and stay in the house? Or did I fight for my mother's name? And she would have won. So I took off running, chased him across the street, through the neighbor's backyard, tackled him, had him on the ground, dead to rights. The problem is, I'm not a fighter. 
last fight, I didn't get to throw a punch. So I didn't really know what to do, so I did what everybody does at the end of a fight. I said, take it back. <laughs> you know what? He took it back. It was all good. I, I... <laughs> Just feel like we have to protect the pastor, man. He... I didn't grow up throwing hands. But don't get it twisted. I grew up fighting. Because there's certain type of fights that fists can't fix. Pastor, why, why are you the way that you are? Why do you believe God so much? Why, why, why are you so young but yet so full of faith? Well, because I saw my sister go through three brain surgeries. And I know what it's like as a 12-year-old to be in your room crying out to God for the healing of a family member. I saw my mother from 13 go through three different fights with cancer. And another sibling born premature and be in the hospital for the first four months of their life. I, I, I've been through some fights, not the type of, matter of fact, I wish it were fights where you could just throw hands and then walk away and it was done. But, but there's certain fights, anybody can testify that you've been through some fights that, that fist to cuffs didn't work it. You, 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 you just needed tenacity to be able to wake up every morning and get out of bed, even though all you wanted to do was stay under the covers and wish it would all go away. Any, anybody fought through something as you got to where you are today? You, you fought through some anxiety, you fought through some depression? Any, anybody fought through some situations where your parents were working so hard that you feel like you almost raised yourself? You, you can't remember last time they looked at your report card or helped you pick classes? Anybody? You know, Pastor, I'm actually not healed. I'm still fighting through this sickness. I, I wake up every single day with the pain. I wake up every single day. There's a different type of fight. And it does something to you. It makes you a fighter. So some of you, you, you ain't a fighter. Your sibling fought for you. But some of you know what I'm talking about. You're, you're uneasy when life is good. Because you, you, you're just used to there always being drama, always being chaos, all, always something starting somewhere. So you're just like, okay, where, where, where is it coming from next? I'm, I'm used to this. The problem with being a fighter is you fight fights that you shouldn't even fight. You, you, you end up fighting other people's fights. And I promise you, I've been to Freedom Conference like three times. I think I need to go to a fourth one. I, I get into fights that have nothing to do with me. I'll be a line at Target. I'm not even the person returning something. It's the lady in front of me. I don't know her from Adam. All I hear is, ma'am, you can't return this without a receipt. And I'm like, you don't have to talk to her that way. By the way, if you work at Target, we love you. <laughs> Ma'am, there's nothing, I, and I'm just in there. No, that's not true. If you can find a debit card that she paid it with, you can pull up her receipt. Go take that woman's receipt. <laughs> Woman looking at you like, thank you. <laughs> you just end up picking fights. That's what Jephthah did. If you read this passage carefully, Jephthah was not under attack. The people who kicked him out were under attack. And guess what? That was their problem. It wasn't his problem. If I was Jephthah, I'd be like, y'all should have thought about that before y'all ran me off. I'm sorry, Amon. It's going to burn your house to the ground. <laughs> 
but can I get that, 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 that lamp before they do? But because he was so used to fighting, he said, what's another battle? Especially a battle that can get me a promotion. And this battle cost him his daughter. Now, theologians will argue about this all day long. Did Jephthah really kill his daughter for God? Let's, let's, can I give you the, the counter argument? And can I just give you the answer really quickly? Nobody knows. We'll find out when we get to heaven. But here's what some people argue. No, 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 no. That's not, God wouldn't accept a, a burnt human. What, what, what he did was he sacrificed an animal on her behalf. And what it meant was she could never get married. This is what some theologians believe. And when she went up into the mountains to mourn, she was mourning that she would never have children. And that's what some theologians say. Other theologians say, no, 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 he killed her. I think he killed her. Why do you think that? Two reasons. One, because God never told him to say that. That didn't come from God. That came from Jephthah. And two, Jephthah was not a follower of God. He was living in some pagan nation, doing what pagans did. The whole idea came from the fact that everybody around him was sacrificing their kids to idols. So it literally, that's sick. And because he got caught fighting a battle that was not his battle to fight, he lost the one thing in his life that was worth fighting for. And here's my question to my fighters. Are you fighting a battle that's not worth fighting and it's gonna cost you something that you're not wanting to pay? Three quick thoughts, three quick thoughts. Write this down, write this down. If you're gonna fight only the battles that God's called you to fight, you gotta make a decision. I'm gonna walk away. You have to decide I'm gonna walk away from anything that is not standing between me and the destiny that God has for me. This may not sound like something you hear in church, but you'll be all right. There are certain things that are not worth your time. I said things because I didn't want to say people because I didn't want to get pre-recorded, but you could throw in what I really meant to say. That there, there are certain things. That's something in my eye. That are not worth your time. Come on now. And so often. <laughs> Did you know that this family member is upset at you? They're mad because they think, what's that got to do with me? Well, their blood, I know, unfortunately. <laughs> but that's their problem, not mine. Do you know this coworker thinks that you, really? No, I didn't know. What you never told me? Not my problem. Do you know they're saying on Instagram? Do you know Instagram's not real? <laughs> like, that's not a real conversation. I, I don't have to respond. I don't care. So many people get caught up fighting fights that are not standing between you and the destiny that God has for you. And here's what you may not realize. 
that there is an enemy who knows that he may not be able to stop God's plan in your life, but if he can get you diverted, he can delay it. I may not be able to keep God from doing what he wants to do in your life, but if I can get you fighting some little skirmish over here that has nothing to do with the call of God on your life, I can keep you distracted from what God really has for you. So often we go from issue to issue to issue, crisis to crisis to crisis, battle for battle to battle, and then when we go home, we're like, God, I haven't seen what I'm believing you for. God says, because you're wasting time on things that do not matter. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 4, verse 3, it says that Satan came to Jesus and he said, if you are the son of God, can I tell you how you get into battles that you should not fight? When someone pushes your button of insecurity. Here's what you need to know about the enemy of your soul, Satan. He has no new tricks. That's why it's so vital to read the Bible, because if you know the Bible, you'll know his tactics. He came after God the same way he's going to come after you. If you were all that, if you were so good looking, you think you'd be single right now? If you were so smart, you think you'd be in between jobs right now? If you had it all together, you think you'd be... Sh it's like, Pastor, you sound like Satan. That, 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 that kind of hit kind of hard. Can we be easy with the examples? I mean, golly. He said, if you... He was talking to God. And Satan who was inconsequential, said, prove to me that you're, do you know how much money we waste buying houses we can't afford, driving cars that we could barely make the payment on, wearing clothes that we have on a credit card to prove something to people that mean nothing to our destiny. Why would Satan need to be proved who God is? You're nobody. But yet he said, if you are the son of God, turn these stones into bread. By the way, Jesus was hangry. Some of y'all don't know what hangry is, but you've been hangry before. It's when you're so hungry, you are now angry. I was in a meeting this week. It was an eight-hour meeting. One meeting. I got hangry. I didn't lose Jesus, but I did lose sight of the Holy Spirit. Just for a moment, just for a moment, just for a moment. So do you guys want to eat lunch now, or do you want to do one more thing? I said, I want to eat lunch now. <laughs> Pray for your pastor, Baltimore. God's still working on me. Jesus had been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. He was hungry, hungry. And here's what Satan said. He said, if you're all that, make your flesh feel good. Come on now, you ever been there before? Walking through the mall? This sounds like a financial series. The little demon on your shoulder. Oh, you deserve this. You've been working so hard. It's been a long year. Don't buy one, buy two. 
or whatever else it may be. You're walking by the fridge. Come on out. You worked out once this month. I need Jesus. He said, if you are, prove it. And so many of us run into battles that we're fighting, not because of what God's called us to, but because we're trying to prove to someone who did not believe in us or walked out of our lives or overlooked us that we're not what they thought we were. And here's what Jesus said. He said, I'm not doing that because it is written. Man doesn't live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the Father's house. Every time the enemy tried to drag him into a fight that wasn't his, he said, it is written, it is written, it is. What does that tell me? That if my identity is based on how many amens I get from a message or how much money is in my bank account or how many people follow me on Instagram as supposed to being grounded in the word of God, I am who I see says I am. And what the word says I am is what I am. And if the word doesn't say it, I don't even want it. If your identity is not defined in who God says you are, you will find yourself dragged into battles that he never called for you to fight. By the way, here's who the word says that you are. He says that you're his son, that you're his daughter, that his eye is on you more than it's on the sparrow, that you are the apple of his eye. And here's what I've discovered for those that are favored by God. You don't even have to fight because he'll fight for you. 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 17 says this, you will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourself, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. Let me just throw one side thing in. One of the reasons why Jephthah got pulled into a battle that wasn't his to fight is because Israel went to man instead of going to God. If Israel had gone to God and said, save us, God would have stepped in. Some of us are fighting other people's battles and rescuing other people because they refuse to surrender to God for themselves. And here's what you're doing. You are keeping somebody from a God encounter. No, you can't borrow $50. And if $50 is going to change your life, we got Financial Peace University for you. Because Second thing is this, write this down. You only flee if you pursue. You're only going to be able to avoid useless battles if you're actually finding something that is useful. Here's the reason why Jephthah got in a fight that didn't belong to him. Because the fight that he was fighting had no purpose to it. You know, sometimes I, I, I try to read the Bible and make it sound politically correct because it's the Bible and all that kind of stuff. So the Bible says, you know, he got around some worthless men and he was raiding. You know what he was? He was robbing people, y'all. Like, like Jephthah's career was who forgot to set their alarm. Pull up with a U-Haul truck. They come back at lunch. Go ahead, grab, grab the TV. Grab. He was robbing people for a living. And because he had no purpose to his life, it was not that difficult for him to get diverted to another purposeless battle. Here's what you have to understand. If your only purpose of life is to get as much out of life as you possibly can, anything that looks more appealing than where you are today will divert you. Wow. 
from what God has for you. We, we, we've been trained to believe that what life is about pleasure. Life is, uh, before I die, I want to experience everything that life has to offer. Here's the thing. No one is remembered for what they received. Everybody's remembered for what they gave. I, I, I love wealth and studying different people and all that other kind of stuff. And I was scrolling through Forbes magazine and it had the, the, the top five wealthiest African-American people. Michael Jordan is on that list. Worth over a billion dollars because of purchasing that basketball team and, and his sneakers and all that other good stuff. But do you know when people say Michael Jordan, nobody says, oh, that billionaire? Nobody says, oh, yeah, he's the guy who owns that team. What they remember him number one for is what he gave on the court, not what he received as a result of it. And if our life is all focused on what can I get, what can I receive, what, what you're going to look up one day and you're going to say what the Bible says. I've gained the whole world, but I've lost my soul. I've lost any joy in this. I've lost any. Here's what the Bible says. In, give, give me Hebrews where it talks about David. It says that David after, Acts 13, 36, for David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, he fell asleep and was buried with his fathers and saw Christ. It says, here's when David died, when he was finished to call of God on his life. When, when he gave everything that God had placed in him to give. Do you know the purpose on your life? Do you exist for your next paycheck? Or do you exist? I know why God placed me here. God placed me here to encourage people that are going through what I've been through. To make sure that they're not going to quit in the moments where I was tempted to quit. God's placed me here to let people see that there's bigger that he has for them than what they're believing for them. I'm a person that expands people's vision. God, God placed me on this earth because he's taught me how to build. I, I'm here to help people accomplish the destiny that he has for them, but they don't quite know the steps to get there. I'm here because I'm a healer. That the same way that God healed my broken heart, he has skilled and gifted me to lead other people where their broken hearts can be made whole and that they can have joy after joy. Do you know why God created you? Because otherwise, you'll say dumb stuff. Like, I can't wait till I can retire at 40. That's my goal. I want to retire at 40. Okay, what you going to do for the next 50 years of your life? Pray for your pastor. You know, you need purpose, not a paycheck. You need a calling, not just schedules on your calendar. And you don't get that without pursuing the one who calls you. You, you, you get a degree in college, you don't get a calling in college. You get a skill in trade school, you don't get purpose in trade school. You only get purpose from the one who created you. And the Bible says it this way, that the before you were born, he wrote out every day of your life. And here's the impact that I've called you to make. Jeremiah 29, 13 says this, and he said, and you'll find that calling, you'll find that purpose. You'll find me when you search for me 
Pastor, how do I find my calling? Forget about your calling. Pastor, how do I find purpose? Forget about purpose. How do you find shoes? By looking for shoes or by going to the shoe store? I need a new car. Well, if you walk in the parking lot and take one of these. Oh, it's funny how a little joke can turn into a revelation. It's amazing how many people are stealing other people's calling. It's stealing other people's purpose. Oh, they look happy. I want to do that. Oh, they look important. I want to do that. Oh, they look successful. I want to do that. Not knowing you're stealing something that doesn't belong to you. Instead of going and taking what somebody else has, how about going to where they got it from? The originator, the purpose giver, the one who called you in the first place and said, hey, I have something for you that nobody else can duplicate that's going to wake you up in the morning. If you need four alarm clocks, I only woke up with three this morning, so that's why I can say four. <laughs> you need four alarm clocks to wake up in the morning. You either have a four-month-old or you have a job with no purpose. I want you in a moment where at 5 a.m. your eyes are popping open with ideas. Here's how I'm going to advance this area of my life. I can't, I can't wait and then go back to sleep and sleep till eight. Okay, last one is this. <laughs> Sean, go ahead and play land this plane. If I'm not gonna fight battles that aren't worth fighting, I gotta make a decision that I'm never gonna pay more than it's worth. We're, we're, we're in a crazy time right now. All these ships off the coast can't get everything online. I saw a meme of, of somebody on a jet ski. And over the top it said, I'm gonna get my Christmas gifts. I mean, it's just nuts right now where everything is overpriced because there's this shortage. And with the shortage comes a panic, and I'm going to get political for two seconds. I'll step right back up. That I think is a little created. I'm trying to get your money. So if I tell you I got 12 left, then you're going to wait till February to buy it. This is the last one. We'll never make another Honda. It's the last Honda? Really? I just saw 3,000 driving here. <laughs> if you're not careful, you'll be so panicked for what's next that you'll overpay for it. Jephthah said, this is my moment. I could go from being a thief to a president in just one battle. And as he was going after what's next, he never thought it cost him. You know, sometimes you don't know what matters the most to you until you lose it. Then you realize that thing was more valuable to me than another 100,000. People keep on telling me, Sonia, love your kids now. They're going to grow up so fast. And I'm like, these Smurfs are growing so slow. That's the kind of dumb stuff you say when your kids have left the house. But when they're four months today and they're four months next week and the week after that, this is not growing fast. I don't know what you consider growing fast, but they're about useless right now. Ah, <laughs> oh, but there's an empty nester that I'll tell you right now. Man, I wish I had skipped out on that new project just to spend two more months with them. They're not sick. They're not dead. They're not gone. They're, 
They're just in college. And they don't call me <laughs> until they need something. Could you imagine when Jephthah got home? Yo, he was on top of the world. He was the king of Israel. And 15 minutes after the greatest victory of his life, that victory meant nothing. Here's my old message. I'm done. Let's not lose what matters. Going after what glitters. Let's not lose what will break our heart. Going after what will cause somebody else to comment on our posts. Or to say, wow, that's nice. Oh, we need to fight. You're going to fight. You don't, you don't make it through life without fighting. This, this is not an anti-fighting message. This is a pick your fights. I'm fighting for my relationship with God. I'm fighting for my marriage and my kids. Is it all right if I say this? I fight for my marriage and my kids more than I fight for this church. I'm going to fight for this church, but not as much as I'm going to fight for my marriage. Because when I stand up for God, he's not going to ask me how big the church was first. He'll ask me that, but that's not going to be the first question. Before he says, did you pastor thousands, he's going to say, did you pastor Jade? Did you, lead, did you teach Roman the word? I, I'm going to fight for this church. I'm going to fight for my peace. Some of y'all so busy fighting for somebody else. And on this December 12, 2021, you have nothing more to offer to anybody else because you're so depleted and exhausted. Some of you need to start fighting for yourself. How do I do that? Go in your room, close the door. My kids will kill themselves if I do that. Well, you know, Jesus is a healer. Sometimes you just need some faith. He'll bring them back. I'm going to fight for family. That's the good thing about having family. When you're too exhausted to fight, you got somebody that will fight for you. Pastor, I don't have family. You have one here. And you got a pastor who just likes to fight for no reason. Tell us somebody's messed with you. Watch the whole safety team from BWI just roll up. Just We're going to be in the parking lot. Just, just let us know what you need, what you need, what you need. I'm going to fight for kingdom friends. Not worthless friends. They're, they're worthless, but kingdom friends. I'm not saying don't fight. I'm just saying don't pay more for it than it's worth. Don't lose what you value for what you want. My prayer is in 2022. God, as you said in your word, God, teach me to number my days to leave each one with value. Father God, we're grateful, we're thankful that you're a God that fights our battles. You're a God who makes a way where there is no way. And honestly, God, you're the one whose only opinion that matters. God, I pray for every single person in the sound of my voice. God, in this moment, we divorce ourselves from people's opinion. God, I pray that you'd, re, you'd, you'd free us from that spirit of rejection that has us living a life to prove something to someone else. 
God, I pray over every single person to the sound of my voice. God, that as we seek you, God, that you would download purpose and destiny and calling into our hearts. Yeah, we're working a job, but there's people around us that you've called us to impact. Yeah, you may own a business, but there's employees whose lives will ever be transformed by encountering you. God, show us purpose in every single thing that we do and every day that we live. Right where you're sitting, right where you're watching, can you pray this prayer? Say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Just give God a moment to make it this time to make this message personal to you. Oh, my heart breaks for those of you that say, Pastor, I feel like I'm in this fight by myself and I've been by myself for a long time. You may be married and feel by yourself. You may have seven siblings and feel by yourself, but all you know is deep down inside, there's nobody fighting for me the way I'm fighting for other people. Don't you know that you have a father who's the creator of heaven and earth and if you let him, he won't just fight for you. He'll protect you. He'll cover you. He'll love you. If you're under the sound of my voice, you say, Pastor, I feel like I'm alone. And I need God the way that you're talking about. Not, not a God that I have to please with my perfection, but a God that's a father, that's a cover, that's a provider, that's a friend. If that's you, it's just one prayer standing between you and a relationship with God. Can you pray this prayer with me? Say, Father God, thank you for accepting me into your family. Thank you for the Holy Spirit that adopts me and lets me say, Father, thank you for sending Jesus, your son, to die on the cross so that all my sin." All my mistakes can be erased. Today, right now, I surrender. I give you all of me. Be my Lord, be my Savior, and use me for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Come on, can you celebrate for every...